welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you. Kids in the cheap seats. <laughs> yes, because uh, there's six chairs here. Does hey, uh, welcome. <laughs> big week. A big, hey. Huge oh, week. Huge week. You know, I don't want to talk like we're in high school or something, but you had a big date Tuesday night. Yeah, you did. I had a, you, you had a date. dinner date. Yeah. I had a date. With the uh, next president of the United States. That's exactly right. And regular, us regular people, Megan and me, we, we, that we don't live that way we don't have those experiences. well there were a whole we bunch of little invitation. people standing out on the sidewalk <laughs> oh really yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> waving just so you on. so you went to a shall we call it as it's been described to me as an intimate dinner well we don't need to get into detail well no, 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 no i'm not saying no no i'm going to good lord but but you had dinner with hillary clinton the other yes that is so um, cool. And, uh, it was t- exciting. Tell was. us about that. It, it, it Seriously, was, now, let's, let's don't make yeah. it tawdry. That would be what you would do. I wouldn't do that. Of but, course uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was in uh, Miami Beach. Um, oh, okay. And a, a, the former U.S. ambassador to Belgium, who, interestingly, had been born in Cuba. Huh. And wow. so there was an opportunity to talk about our trip to Cuba. Uh, but anyway, he hosted uh, this small event, uh, part of it where some of the people there were major contributors and other people were his, her political people. And uh, she had made several visits in Florida during the day, and now we were having dinner there that night. And it was really, I mean, you know, I'm like such... 50 people, 100 people, how many no, people? No, were 10, 12 people. Really? Yeah, it was that yeah, small? Yeah. That's really cool. And, uh, it, it was. It, it was really exciting. You sat at a, when dinner time came, you sat at a dining room table? Yeah, it was, it was a... Uh, First of all, the home. Yeah. Cool. Gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it was the ambassador, and it was like yeah. a museum, and there are art collectors. And I mean, it oh, was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was upscale for me. For, even for you, upscale. <laughs> oh, for me, it was upscale. Wow. Big yeah. old stuff Because everyone the there is talking about how big their plane is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I usually get by with just having a plane. Having I don't have plane. to say mine's bigger than yours. <laughs> yeah. In Gene's company, you just have yeah. the plane. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, so. We were. Were you at the kids' table or were you at the adult table? I was based on age. I was at the adult <laughs> You're table. At the adult table. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so we ate there, and you, uh, it was a beautiful at a meal. Was Hillary? Yes. Amazing. No kidding. No. What, can you imagine oh, no, how? I, can you imagine talk? how excited she is? <laughs> yeah. All right. Dear Lord. What did you talk about? Yeah. What would you talk oh, about? Oh, the Yankees. And, we did not. No. <laughs> no. Uh, obviously, talk. You know, during the meal, it was more conversation like. Uh, the exhaustion mm-hmm. of, you know, and, and this is true of anyone who runs for president. You know, we can't imagine it. Um, you know, I remember how exhausting it was just running for city council or mayor or even right. governor. That's pretty tiring. But can you imagine every single day? And for her, it's been for almost two years now, literally, you know, 10 visits a day, different cities, different parts of the country. It's you know, and she's just about seventy years old, or getting close to seventy. So, it for any human being, and there was a lot of conversation how she does. And she she admitted she says there are days that she is just really really tired, 
And, uh, and by the way, and we should all recognize that, that some slips that come up by all candidates, and I'm not yeah. just going to pick on Trump on this one, you know, you, you say you're tired. And, and, and sometimes the, you lose the filter and you say something or maybe you don't remember. So you do get tired. Well, what's significant is because later on when we were talking about this issue, she said she is going to take a rest for the days leading up to the first debate. Mm-hmm. Oh. Very interesting. Because she said, and she's right, she said if anything is, because she sees that the trend is going in her direction. They're feeling good about it. And, uh, but the first debate is, is the one moment that could change everything. Historically, that has been the case, by the way. You know, and I, I don't want to draw you out on things she said that maybe she, you know, private conversation. Um, and, and I know you'll, be, you know, be careful not to divulge any strategy or whatever. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, did, did, she, did she understand, I'm just always curious about this, that you are, uh, in addition to doing the TV show, which I'm sure she's aware of, everybody is, it's, you're known for that. Oh, she knows. Other background? And yeah, I mean, political? she knows that's why I was there. Okay. Yeah. Because of political, your political background. Totally. Your political interests. Totally right, because she kept asking me questions about Ohio and, and Florida, because yeah, now... You know, we oh, live in right. Florida. Florida resident. So, yeah. you know, she was very interested in yeah. that and, you know, who the players are and that, you know, that kind of it's thing. It's very cool, though, so, that yeah. you had a chance to... It was very exciting. I got to tell you, just as a, as a groupie, when she was talking <laughs> to the other people and she says, well, Jerry said... And I'm going, oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool, though. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Well, Jerry that's said. Cool. Yeah. Wow. So uh, that's, that's the only thing I took. I don't know what she said afterwards, but when <laughs> yeah. she said Jerry... The, she had me at Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's really just, Yeah, so that was really kind of cool. cool. That, that, that was fun. But on the substance of the debate thing, which gave me an idea even of what we would be talking about tonight as one of the side issues here, is she, I don't know, just said the first debate is everything because sure. she thinks that's sure. the only thing that could possibly derail. So, and the expectation of her is so high mm-hmm. because, yeah. and this is God's truth, she's brilliant. Boy, I you saw know, her Even if you today. hated her, she is just so smart. She, she was talking about uh, the South China Sea and the separate treaties we have with, with Thailand, South Korea, um, and uh, Japan, and how that's going to play a role Amazing. in what, how we deal with China and this. And yeah. she's naming these people and all that. And just casually, yeah. not reading a speech, just having a conversation. And you say, where is Trump in this conversation? Right, right, right. I mean, it's not, it, it shouldn't even be a contest. Right. It really, it's embarrassing that this is a contest. There are other bright people in the world that could have that discussion with her, but he's not one of them. So it's just, just incredible. But the first debate, it's interesting to think of that because there are certainly two elections in my lifetime, in our lifetime, where the first debate was everything. Obviously, uh, John Kennedy and Richard Nixon. In fact, no one even remembers the second and third, fourth debate. They had four debates in 1960. It was that first debate. Because up till then, Nixon was the vice president. He was the one knowledgeable about the world. He had gone, you know, when he went to Peru and they threw stones at him and all that kind of... So he had a a whole 
background of, you know, he had heft. He had the weight. And here was young John Kennedy, who they thought was a little bit of a dilettante, and plus he was Catholic and no experience. And that's what it was. You know, now Jack Kennedy is an iconic figure, but before that first debate, he wasn't taken that seriously. And then all of a sudden in the first debate on television, um, he, he was phenomenal. And that seemed to be, the, that's when it all suddenly started going Kennedy's way. The other example that we should remember, those of us who are, you know, Democrats, Clinton supporters, is the election of 1980. You had Jimmy Carter running for re-election. And even those of the most loyal Democrats had to admit things were going south. I mean, we had the hostages, we had the Arab oil embargo, the long gas lines, massive inflation. I mean, you know, that's when Reagan said, are you better off than you were four years ago? And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it looked, it just looked horrible for Carter. And yet, Carter was something like 10 or 12 points ahead in the polls leading up to that first debate. Why? Not because the country was happy with Carter. They were not. But they thought Reagan could be a bozo because he was in the movie uh, Bedtime with Bonzo. Sorry, Bedtime with Bonzo. And, uh, you know, that he had, you know, he was just this uh, real lightweight movie, you know, B-movie actor we can't have him as president of the United States. Kind of the stuff that we're saying now of Trump, although Reagan did have a political background and did have some intellectual depth, um, not the kind we like, maybe on the views, but Reagan had a point of view, a philosophy, and he'd been governor of the largest state in the Union for eight years. But anyway, no one thought Reagan was anything. So Carter was even though America wasn't happy with him, he was way ahead in the polls because we couldn't really have Ronald Reagan as president. And then in that first debate, Reagan passed the only test he had to pass. He didn't look like a crazy person with his finger on the button. Remember, we thought he was such a hawk, he would blow up the world. And when he just stood there and looked avuncular, looked like everybody's uncle, and said, well, there you go again, Jimmy, you know, Mr. President... That kind of, all of a sudden, people felt comfortable. And the second they felt comfortable with him at that first debate, the very next day, the landslide toward Reagan started. The, at the end result wasn't a landslide, but it started the avalanche towards being way behind to actually winning the election fairly comfortably started. That's the effect of that first debate. America's going to watch it. More people will watch that debate than the Monday night football game. And, and they really will. Because I think that is, you know, we keep saying, those of us that are for Hillary and how can anyone seriously think of Trump, you know, and the answer often is, well, no one's taking it that seriously yet. You know, it's the summer or it's the springtime before the election. That first debate, I think, will be the one time that America really focuses on one-on-one, -on -one, no extra people around probably, just them, and then we're going to see if she has a bad night, mm -hmm. if for, by some miracle Trump comes across as measured, which seems impossible, uh, or bright, or knowledgeable, we, that could be a problem for her. That could be a real problem. Because remember, the nation isn't with her right now because they love her. You know, I think they should, but a lot of people aren't. 
but they're with her because they ultimately agree we can't have Trump as president and Hillary is smart and she is a grown-up and that's what you need as a president. That's the, what's playing for that first debate. It'll be the most important debate in a generation, I think, because of the consequence of it. Yep. Interesting. And you've uh, had a pretty busy week uh, because I know today uh, you filled in on the Opie show, uh, Opie and Jim Norton, the on comic Sirius on XM Sirius Radio. XM. Uh, and that's pretty cool, too. And I imagine you had a chance to kind of promote the podcast. And, I uh, talked about like the that. podcast I, a lot. Every other sentence. Yeah. But, oh, speaking of the podcast, this was weird. <laughs> I'm on for two hours, you know, hosting the show there and taking calls. Right. And we get this call from, and how did he know I was on? From that Senator Tip Kemper? Oh, State Shut Senator Tip Kemper. He's he, called our show. He's called our show he, right. four times. And then he's calling there. And these guys, I, there were two um, comedians uh, with me on the show. And uh, <laughs> and they're wondering, who is this loony? Well, he, yeah, so you brought him with yeah. you. Yeah, and he came up with <laughs> his idea of the summer sw- uh, swim. Oh, he proposed that on this show, too, that if you have a swimming pool... Uh, kids from the poorer neighborhoods are, must come to your pool with if a voucher. You, right, if you own, right, you have to take them. God. Yeah, if you own a swimming pool, as his legislation was in ground pool, it, it had to be an in ground. No, pool. there was an above ground. Oh, too. Was there a clause? That it was a foot deep, deep. or or deeper. You yeah, were right. required if they had a voucher to ten kids from inner city or lower income kids. Uh, they would be allowed to swim in your pool uh-huh. from nine until five. Uh huh. And you had to give them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And a towel. And a towel. <laughs> yes. And a call home. Uh, so that seems and reasonable to me. Maybe I'm the crazy one. But and you had to let them use yourself. He called that the fair swim. And then the bones lit up. The fair swim. And started screaming at him. There was this guy from Staten Island. What the hell is he talking about? Where is he? I love it. Isn't that interesting? He must be, State Senator Tip Kemper must be. He's stalking me. Almost stalking you. Because wherever I'm on, where else you are on. And then call. Really in, but I guess he's just looking for what he's they got call nothing earned else media. To do. He's, he's <laughs> always trying to get some bill across the finish line. And uh, a little bit later, we're going to be talking to a young man from, I think, Colorado, and we'll okay. find out when we bring him on. Uh, PJ is his name, and uh, he's responding to the thing that's on our website, Megan Hills. Hello, yeah, Megan. Hi. How are you? <laughs> and it's here for Megan Hills. And, uh, Me- Megan has a real life outside of this show jerry and i have no lives except to come to the podcast but my, but <laughs> uh, she is a uh, hr manager of a big company we never name the company because no. we don't no. want to get her we don't want her to lose her job, like lose her how job can you job. be an hr manager and then work, and work at, with, with, with us who the hell knows it is. <laughs> are there it no is, standards that's anymore whiplash right there but anyway we had this uh, promotion would you like to date Megan? Because Megan's single and she's not married and she's not, that, you know, yeah. so she dates and, and she, as she should. Uh, lovely young woman. <laughs> lovely <laughs> youngish woman, as we youngish. say. Well, Jerry says that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not 18 Thank or you, 19. Yes, no, you know. Neither are <laughs> anyway, you, sir. No. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so PJ is going to come on and we're, yeah. but we've learned our lesson, Jerry, you and yes. I, because we're like what are we her do, crazy uncles. We're going to vet him oh. because in the past we've been yeah. a little, lo- the gates have been You've a little been loose. Very loose. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you're the worst. Yeah. You breathing? Well, You'll watch, do. you watch, 
watch what happens yeah. on this one. Okay. I'm because, not going to hold my breath. The guy's going to call up, and we're going to vet him to see yeah. if he's a, if he's a finalist. Can, if he's a finalist. And whoever wins. Who has called and oh. isn't a finalist? No one. Name well, one person one. who actually I called and isn't a finalist. Everyone is a finalist. A, a woman who wanted to date Megan, and Megan says, no, oh, oh. that's not, I'm not into that. So. Well, and, I'm straight, so. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Just all there was that. to it. <laughs> but everybody else well, is a fine Everybody finalist. else is yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do that, and that's, that's always fun because that thing is just, uh, it's a gift that just keeps giving. But, <laughs> hey, Jerry. Well, now that I, I think wanted, about it, straight hey. and not straight, that's a perfect 10. The one is straight, and the oh zero is... Now, you. see? <laughs> see? So the perfect know. 10 would be you going out with a gay woman. <laughs> there you go. Be a hey, oh my lord! Oh my lord! We're I'm out. with you, Megan. So, <laughs> you're so screwed okay, here. I can't. Speaking hey. of tens, have you been watching the Olympics? How about that? No, well, great. Or, and speaking of the Olympics, <laughs> speaking of the Olympics, how about Matt Catfish Williams that was not a throwing good his hat into the ring <laughs> yeah. for the Ludlow City Council? I love it. What, the folks our own catfish, catfish. And this is for real. This is legit. This, this is, is legit. legit. And this is not a shit. Everything on this show is legit. Legit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right, we just bad. talked about three legit. things. Tip Kemper, <laughs> you want to date me? They're all, all legit. legit. Oh, that is. But anyway. <laughs> he's really catfish. running for city council. Yeah, really listen to what he did. What? He put, and his campaign manager is Casey Campbell, who's our oh, music this is a, a combination that can't <laughs> oh, possibly no, this fail. <laughs> He has an ad, as an advisor, uh, Mayor Waite, who is here in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Us, a former mayor. This He's is being like a Ludlow Hall by, of Fame right here. <laughs> and Gene Galvin. By John from Ideal Hardware, who uh, was a yes. council member years yes. ago. So yes. he's got all these people helping him. And he put on the ballot <laughs> when he registered, when he filed, catfish. So it will be on the ballot. As catfish. Catfish. Wow. Catfish I Williams. I love you. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I think that, that's a good strategy. That's a great strategy because, first of all, you stand out versus all the other Joe, Johns, yeah. and Bills. Yeah, yeah. 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 And we are and we're already checking. Jerry's asking the right question of what's the legal limit for a donation. Catfish said $2 million. Casey, his campaign manager, said $23 million. Yeah. So, I mean, Anything I don't know. Anything in that range is good. Doesn't sound right. Well, $23 million. Why don't you just buy Ludlow? <laughs> <laughs> 23 million, I'll, I'll buy Ludlow and call it Springertown. <laughs> and you're all out of here. <laughs> no, 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 and no. then Matt, can, can Matt be on a city council for that then? <laughs> no, but we are, we, uh, we are behind yeah. Matt Catfish. Yes, well, we absolutely. Are. I'm throwing everything I have we are behind, behind him. Behind him. Whoop, whoop. And, <laughs> you know what? I'll give him some of my old bumper stickers. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Save he's going to go door to records. door in Ludlow. And we've all. How many doors is that? Oh, 27, I don't know. I bet you in Ludlow, Mayor, do you know how many households are there in Ludlow? Do we know? 500? We, we don't. 5, okay, 5,200 people. people. Okay. Well, some of them live okay, together. Okay, well, that's good. So it's not 50. No, but if yeah. there are roughly 5,000 people. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So Two we're going to go. He's household. going door to door. He'll do some as much as he can do. Yeah. We already committed to doing that for Hillary Clinton, by yes. the way. The podcast crew. Right. So maybe we go door to door. And we also mentioned catfish. Yeah, I'm willing catfish. to do that. Heck yeah. Uh, you know what? Put me down for $10. I'm <laughs> telling you. Yeah. And put me down for a dollar. I, yeah. Jerry, can you borrow a dollar? Ratio. <laughs> or where they may. No, but we We're are. We're going to back you big time. 
11 American dollars. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, mine my, my, my might be Cuban. Mine's I have some of those left over. Well, you, yeah, you took the money out of the I country. Don't know if they spend very well in Ludlow. In Ludlow. Guess we'll eight, find out. And uh, we did vacations. Megan has been on 14 cruise, cruises this year, so yeah. she didn't Good do one Lord. recently. But, Jerry, you went to um, Coronado Island? Yes. In Southern California? Yeah, it's right off the coast of San Diego. Oh. I, I was wanted to ask you this real gorgeous, fast. Uh, gorgeous. Describe just in a couple sentences what, because we were on vacation simultaneously. Yes, you uh, were. I went somewhere else. You went to you're Coronado. You're in your one-man tent. I, yes. Yeah, I went Which, backpacking with some yeah. friends of mine. But you, uh, the first day or evening of your vacation, just give us a, a mental picture. What did you see? What did you have turn down service? Was there a chocolate thing on the pillow? What was it like in, at Coronado Island? Well, the butler doesn't bring the chocolate uh, thing on the pillow until right. about, yeah, until about 9.30. But right, out, yeah, right outside, you know, you get a little, you, you get a villa. Uh, you had a you villa. Have, yeah, mm -hmm. and, and then a table was set up with a fireplace in the middle of the table. Uh, yeah. A fire pit. Fire pits, yeah. Fire fire pit. Those are cool. And we all Did sat they have around. Like the Nighttime temperature it? might have been what? I'd 70, say about 70. The perfect 74. temperature. Uh, yeah. Anything. Hard like rains falling, would you say? No, no, no rain. No, blue skies. Blue skies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then this, suddenly the stars were out. And, and so we had this wonderful meal. And then afterwards, we took the kids down on the, uh, on the beach because it's right. We're on the beach, basically. And then we had s'mores. Oh, and then, we can only uh, dream of that. Yeah. What'd you and do, then, Gene? Well, the first night of my vacation, uh, and it, we're talking like July 10th, um, as the temperature fell, the snow started to fall. Snow? And by morning, there was pr there probably two inches of snow on the ground. And that's when he sprayed himself with bear spray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I did that. Shut did you up. Know, did you know, really? I, so I went backpacking in Idaho, yes. and we, uh, we this was so much fun. We uh, backpacked up about 3,000 feet to 8,000 feet. Uh, we were all suffering from altitude sickness. I went to sleep that night in my tent. No like, dinner. This sounds too like exhausting to do it. This sounds like fun. The snow started the fall, got up in the morning, and there was punishment. snow everywhere. So that's rich man Coronado, poor man Sawtooth Mountains yeah. of Idaho. So therefore, if you have a choice, go rich. Go rich. If you Always have go rich. I, I never had that down. choice. I'm just saying, if you have a choice, just... I never write, had that Writing that advice down. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. You know, speaking, Jerry, of the Sawtooth Mountains of Idaho, how about Trump making that crack the other day oh. that sounded like uh, people should assassinate Hillary Clinton? It's oh, yeah. what it sounded like to me. Uh, and then the sort of following reactions of various Republicans. Well, yeah. What did you think of that? Well... Here's let's get the quote exactly right to put the whole conversation in context. He's given one of his big rally speeches, and he's saying ob obviously lies, but um, you know, Hillary Clinton wants to uh, do away with the Second Amendment. Duh. Uh, she wants to uh, take away everyone's guns. You know, total total lies. It's not even a misinterpretation. Total lie. You know. What she said is that people that are, for example, on the terror no-fly list shouldn't be able to buy guns. Seems reasonable. If you're a terrorist, no, nah, we're not going to give you a gun. We do have a special next week, but <laughs> other than that. So, you know, really rational, reasonable, but of course he's, you know, he's get, got the endorsement of the NRA, and he says, 
And, you know, if she's president, she's going to put someone on the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a person that will take away your guns, etc. So this is the quote. If she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is. I don't know. The implication being, well, it's hard to find it. Another explanation. What are the Second Amendment folks going to do? What's the other remedy? You know, if she puts them on, there's nothing you can do unless, of course, you Second Amendment folks. What is the Second Amendment comes to mind with Second Amendment people who have guns? It's not an organizational thing. You know, uh, for example, if Hillary Clinton was saying of Trump, you better watch who gets on the Supreme Court because he'll put someone on who's, uh, you know, a right to life. And uh, but, you know, of course, there's nothing you can do except you girls who are having an abortion. <laughs> come on down. Uh, you know, it's so obvious what he meant by that. Now, perhaps he wouldn't say was saying it flippantly. I'll give him enough credit that he's not, you know, asking someone to shoot her. But the irresponsibility of that, because even giving him the benefit, no, he's not asking her to be assassinated. Let's agree, 99.9% of people that hear that didn't then go home and grab their guns. But we all know they're crazies out there. They're nuts out there. There are people of all kinds that are crazy and nuts, and the people that have guns and are crazy and nuts are particularly dangerous because when they go off the deep end, they've got a gun in their hand. And if he's stirring up anger, as he has done at other rallies against Hillary, lock her up. Some guy is getting physical with a protester at, at one of his rallies, and he says, get him out of here, and don't worry, I'll pay for your defense. In other words, he's been kind of egging on the crazies to do really bad things and to tell the NRA people, well, maybe there's something you can do. I don't know. That's, that's his, always his fail safe so that he doesn't have to be responsible. He always says like, well, people are saying, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'll do that. I, I don't know. So he's not responsible. But the fact of the matter is that it is despicable, despicable, knowing the country is so divided, knowing people are, uh, can get so hostile and talking to the NRA people and saying, well, you want to stop her because that's the word he used. He says, you can't stop it unless maybe, you know, the NRA people will stop it. Now, we hope and pray nothing's going to happen. Good Lord, if something does happen, you know, and by the way, it's not just people on the, in the media talking about it. The Secret Service has indicated now publicly that they're aware of what he said and conversations are taking place. Makes their job even tougher and tougher and tougher because you have no idea where these crackpots are coming from. And it's not like in our lifetime we haven't had people shoot at presidents and presidential candidates. And George Wallace, who was just a candidate. So it's not like wait until they get in the White House. The danger of Donald Trump, I don't think he's going to be elected president. You know, America's smarter than that, and even Republicans now are coming out and saying that's too much. We can't have him. But he's, he's poisoned the conversation of this country. Because when the election's over, he's given rise to a whole bunch of people who have these 
frankly, horrible attitudes on race, on violence, and things like that. And he's now giving them, you know, he's become their standard bearer. And they can feel like, well, a presidential candidate said these are reasonable things to talk about. We're going to pay for the stuff he's saying now, even though there's some indication that he's starting to realize he may not win this thing, and he's starting for the first time, which is so un-Trump-like, literally talking in interviews now about what will happen if he doesn't win. He says, well, I'll have a nice long vacation. I mean, he's starting to recognize that when he looks at the map, it's hard for him to put together states where he can win when he's 10%, 11% behind in Pennsylvania, and you know, Virginia's gone, Colorado's gone, stuff like that. But even though he won't win, what he has done to the American dialogue is very, very dangerous and bad. You know, he's, he's poisoned the environment you know, with his words, and uh, hopefully more Republicans will say, you're out of here. I think they should formally ask him to not run. They should formally, I'm not saying he'd listen. They can't force him out. But they should at least formally, if they want to save their party and have any kind of principle, stand for every, anything, they ought to, be say, ought to say it. Sorry, you know, we hope you vote Republican, blah, blah, blah. But for president, we cannot with a straight face say vote for Donald Trump. You know, they ought to say you're, that. You're kind of a student of history, of presidential history. And... There has been no one, can you think of anybody, any presidential candidate, certainly in our lifetime and maybe even beyond, that you may know about from studies, where the other side, where their party, in this case Donald Trump's party, the Republican Party, the parade of people who are coming out by the day to say, I'm not for him, the 50 prominent uh, national security Republican officials two days ago, yesterday, the day, yeah. day before, they came out in a joint letter saying we can't support him. It's unprecedented. Uh, senators who are stepping forward and saying, one in particular who's Collins, Senator Collins, saying, I won't vote for Hillary, but I'm not voting for Trump. Yeah, I think it's unprecedented. Yeah, I think there's seven Republican senators who have basically said that. But, yeah, there is, there's an example in history, not with a presidential candidate, and when we say history, let's say the last 150 years, because in the very beginning we didn't have political parties and, uh, you know, not until 1800, so that's different. But certainly in the last 150 years, you're exactly right. We haven't had that. Although there is a parallel, and I take you back to the 1950s, and this is, a, I think, a wonderful parallel with Trump and Joe McCarthy. Now, you know, after the Second World War, look, the Soviet Union was our ally during the Second World War. And to be fair, without the Soviet Union, the war might have had a different uh, outcome, certainly until we had the, uh, the atom bomb. I mean, no country lost as many people in the Second World War as the Soviet Union. So they paid a price to beat Hitler. Hats off. But then the war's over. And now, as happens after every war, the country's divide up the spoils. You know, what about these countries we defeated that are no longer? And so the Soviet Union, Stalin said, and from his point of view, fairly, we lost the most citizens. We paid the highest price. We should get some of the land that we got. And so they got Eastern Europe, basically, at Yalta. That's what was worked out 
A lot of us don't think that was a real good deal. Nevertheless, the Soviet Union got uh, Eastern Europe. And what they did is they turned all these Eastern European countries into communism. And that was the beginning of the Cold War. And then Churchill in 1946 coming to America, I think someplace in Missouri, talked for the first time about the Iron Curtain. And that was the beginning of it. Now, all of a sudden, America starts, we Americans start getting scared. Oh my gosh, the Soviet Union, it's expanding. It's not just their republics. And now it's Poland, it's Czechoslovakia, it's uh, Estonia, Lithuania. I mean, just spreading out. And so we started to have the fear that communism was taking over. That was the Cold War. Here comes Joe McCarthy, a senator from uh, Wisconsin, and he figures he's going to take political advantage of this. And now we start saying, because it's running against Democrats and the Truman administration, there are communists every place. They're fellow travelers. Understand, after the Depression of 1929, there were a lot of Americans that took a fairly friendly view, certainly to socialism. You know, capitalism obviously wasn't working right then after the Depression. So all of a sudden, there were ways maybe that ought to be entertained. And there were a lot of people that started to go to meetings where socialists would meet, etc. Well, Joe McCarthy then took that and said that anyone that ever had an association with someone who went to one of those meetings in the 1930s, when at that point it was considered reasonable, if, even if you didn't agree with it, he went after these people, said they're really communists. And now careers were ruined. And they had the uh, House Un-American Activities Committee, and the Senate would hold hearings on whether you were a loyal American. You had a, there was the loyalty oath. And careers, I mean, you were a doctor, and all of a sudden a charge was brought that you, had a, you knew some communists, or you, they were friends of yours, or they were in your business. You, your whole career was ruined. People wouldn't go to you anymore. Obviously, in Hollywood, a lot of actors were blacklisted. In television, people were blacklisted if they thought they had socialist leanings or knew someone who was a communist. And then famously, in I think Charleston, West Virginia, Joe McCarthy shows up one day saying, I have here a list of 175 communists in our State Department. And that was, oh my God, our own government. And that Truman was coddling to the communists and, you know, and that was the beginning of McCarthy. He was horrible. And it, that was the great, great fear in America in the early 50s. Now, here's the parallel to Trump. Although Trump, it's more with race. While McCarthy was doing that, very few people in government stood up to him, the other politicians, because there was such a fear of communism in America that you didn't really want to take him on. And by the way, as much as I love the Kennedys, they didn't have a great history of this either. Bobby Kennedy worked for McCarthy and in, in, in the Senate committee doing, having those hearings. And so politicians were afraid to speak out against McCarthy because then they'd lose their base. You know, you could have views on anything else, but if you were soft on communism, boom, Richard Nixon built his career on his opponents in California being soft on communism. Well... No one stood up against him, not even Eisenhower. 
until, and here's the parallel with what we're living through today. In 1954, McCarthy was destroying everybody. Everyone was going before his hearings. If you didn't come, you were branded a communist. So you'd have to show up, you were subpoenaed, you had to reveal names, or you were considered a communist. If you took the Fifth Amendment, you were a communist. That's how it was. But McCarthy made one mistake. He went after the US Army. And as soon as he went after our military, that was the last straw. Eisenhower came in. In other words, everyone was, no one was speaking up against him on these horrible way he was ruining people's lives. But when he went after the U, it was the Army McCarthy hearings in 1954. I remember, because it's really the first thing, I was 10 years old yet, that I remember watching on television for the summer. I'd sit in front of the little television and watch this, and I'm an idiot, but I was fascinated by it. It was all interesting. And that was the, the Army McCarthy hearings, and that is what led to Eisenhower suddenly stepping up, everyone else, and the Senate censured him. And that was the end of McCarthy, who was already drinking a lot, and then I think within two years he was dead. You know, he just, because he was destroyed. And society saw him as just going off the deep end. Yes. Uh, uh, just a, uh, but a they, bridge too far. And right, but the thing that tipped him over was when he went against the army. Yep. Now let's fast forward 70 years, 60 years, to today. You have Trump saying all these racial things for six, eight, ten months now. One every day, it's another group. Them Muslims, them Hispanics, they're racist. We're going to build a wall. We're going to throw them out of the country. We're going to keep all this stuff. Where was the Republican leadership saying, this is so un-American, building a wall, being against Muslims, being against Hispanics? Where were they? But as soon as Trump went after the gold star parents. Khan family. Yep. The Khan family. The parents who lost their uh, Muslim son fighting and dying for America, you know, and our armed forces. All of a sudden, whoa, a bridge too far. And all of a sudden now, you see day after day, we cannot tolerate that. I was just, when I saw that happening, I was just saying, oh my gosh, this is happening again, except it's not communism, it's race. And so what I say to the Republican Party, and I guess I've been saying it for a while, you, you've been in bed with this attitude, even though you'd never articulate it. But the whole Southern strategy, starting with Goldwater and then uh, with Nixon, which was called the Southern strategy, we're going to win the South. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take it away from the Democrats. And when the de Democrats passed the Civil Rights Act, that was the last time the South ever went Democrat. And since that time, the Deep South is all Republican. Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, whatever. Once in a while, there's an exception in one state if Clinton is running in Arkansas, then, you know, that kind of thing. But otherwise, the Deep South. And, and how did they get that vote? They're against bussing. They're, you know, they, any legislation that brings about more integration, 
They, so they don't use the racial terms because the leadership of the Republican Party is East Coast. It's, um, it's the business establishment. It's Wall Street. It's, that's the real power base of the Republican Party. But there are not enough of them to win an election. So they made a deal with the devil. If we go ahead with them, if we give them space on the race issues, we'll never mention the word race, but we'll be with them on busing and we'll be with them on welfare and we'll be with them on the voting, voting rights and all those rights. things. They've made this deal. And for all these years now, the South votes Republican. And that is what has happened. So now all of a sudden they're panicked because they never really wanted to say that. They know it's, ugh, they don't want to say those things, but they were very happy to get their votes. And now all of a sudden they've got, you know, a Trump whose language is outright racist. Uh, it's irrelevant whether he personally thinks himself a racist. His language is racist, and we know that. And now that's what is happening. All of a sudden, the Republican Party has to deal with that, but they have to deal with it only because Trump went too far and went after our military. You know, calling them atrocious was the word. Well, you go after the American military, those same Southerners are suddenly going to say, uh-uh. And so now the Republican leadership feels safer coming out and saying we can't have Trump. I think that's what you're seeing. That's an interesting parallel, yeah. Good analysis. <clears throat> Megan, let's turn to you for a minute, uh, if it's okay. Is that okay with you? Sure, Gene, why not? Yeah. <laughs> we have on the phone, Megan. I've Ooh, good. personally arranged this. A <laughs> mm. uh, young man you. from, uh, well, uh, let's bring him on. His name is PJ, and I'm going to ask him because I, I think it's Colorado, but let me double check that. PJ, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. And there you go, PJ. Hi, PJ. Let's hear it for PJ. Uh, Hello. Very nice. Somebody who obviously listens to the podcast, he knows about our promotion, Would You Like to Date Megan? Let's recap it real fast, Megan. <laughs> if you and PJ, if he's the finalist Tell and then the win, winter, Gene. he will. What does he win? He will come to Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, and he will have a dinner at a really cool restaurant that's not too far from here. Yep. What's the name of it? Is it in Autos. Autos. It's yeah. a great place. Is it Autos in Ludlow? No, it's out just outside of Ludlow. Oh, there are no good restaurants in Ludlow? You know What's wow, this about? Wait. Hey, hold on. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry Springer. It's not going to be at Ludlow. Well, Autos. maybe it'll be at the Ludlow Tavern. Though. It's going to be at the Ludlow Tavern. Okay, there, there you we go. go. Autos. There no we go. offense well, who to stands up for Ludlow. <laughs> it will be at the job, Ludlow Jared. Tavern. PJ, I've been there. It's a very cool place. Yeah. Nice really sliders, good, good mixed yeah. drinks. Very cool place. Uh, but we have music to vet, in night. fairness, does PJ know we have to vet him? I, I think he knows Sorry, that. And I'm going to tell you something, <laughs> Megan. I've uh, talked to PJ uh, on the phone. I've emailed with him a number of times. Okay. I think he's a finalist. Okay. <laughs> well, why did you ask him? Why? Because he's breathing? He's a good guy. I've he's talked breathing, to him. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, okay, just to, we'll, we'll go ahead and do it. We'll ask him some yeah, questions. Well, okay, what well, before we do this, what are you yeah. thinking of asking this, this poor gentleman? I'm, I'm thinking. Do you think he's uh, not hearing me? I know. Well, I know, I know. well, I well here's, here's the first question. Here's the first question. PJ, where are you from? I'm from Oklahoma City. Okay. Oklahoma City. Not Colorado. Okay. Not Colorado, okay. Oklahoma City. Right. Yeah, well, it's close by. Well, it's not too far away. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess he made it. <laughs> yeah. Done. <No. laughs> he, he's American. Well, 
Does he not sound like a good guy to you? It's unbelievable. Let's ask him some questions. Hey, PJ, uh, first of all, by the way, thank you very much for participating in this. We we do appreciate it. Uh, What what do you do for a living? How do you spend your days? Uh, I work for a weather company. For a weather company? Okay. That's that's pretty cool. cool. So, yeah. Well, at least you have a conversation with him. Hey, how's the weather? Oh, my God. (laughs) PJ, did you grow up in uh, Oklahoma City? Yes, I did. And um, oh, with his voice. He's got a good what, voice. He's got great yeah. voice. Yeah. Uh, what are your interests? What like? are your intentions? <laughs> no. Don't, don't. Let's get right to it. No. What are your interests? What's well, you don't care mean, what his interest is. No, what, what if he what, says what, he's kids. a stamp collector? No. Well, oh, that would be cool if he's a stamp. No. Okay, what, so I mean, do you, what do you what do you do for uh, fun? What what kind of stuff do you like to do? Uh, I recently coached a basketball team uh, oh, cool. for eighth that's graders good. and sixth yeah. graders. So, oh, that's cool. uh, what, so hey, what, what age level of the basketball team, by the way? Sixth and eighth graders. Oh, that's nice. Cool. How'd that your cool. team do this year? Uh, we did all right. Summer was pretty tough with the tournaments and stuff, but yeah. So, so is this like an AAU or pre AAU system? What level? Really, really? It is. Yes. This oh. is select basketball then. This is like to get on a team, you've got to be good. Well, I had some neighborhood kids that played basketball all the time, so I'll put a, a team together for them. Oh, that's, well, that's well, very that, good. We're really vetting this, Megan. Just watch yeah, you're how, talking so basketball is what no, you're wait, doing. No, wait, one other quick question. Are <laughs> you a, have you played basketball uh, through your youth? Yes. Do you play high school basketball? High school basketball. I mean, from a kid all the way to high school. Okay. So, PJ, have you now, because you both are really bad at this, like, real bad. <laughs> really? so bad. No, no. Basketball is very cool. But, PJ, have you ever been married? Do you have kids? Do you have a record? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, basic stuff. What is, okay, no. what is the longest time you've been in prison? <laughs> no, get out of here. No, because he maybe, it was only, been in, maybe it's a short No, time. no, no. Hey, PJ, have you, been, have you been married? I was married once before. Okay. okay. How long were you married? Uh, that long. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, PJ, <laughs> nah. PJ, we have a surprise for you. Come on out. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, dear uh, God. So, so you, how long have you been listening to the podcast, PJ? Uh, for about a month. Okay. All right. That's how great. did you find but, us? Yeah. How'd you find us? Um, I think I was, I was just looking for a podcast and I ran across the Jerry Springer podcast. <laughs> okay. That's really cool. cool. I learned a lot about uh, Jerry's political views and stuff. So it's yeah. pretty oh. cool. All right. Very and cool. are you, cool. now you. Megan, here's a question. I, I was very good. much in your interest. All right. James. Are you, we tend to be PJ and I think Megan included here, uh, much to the chagrin of her mom and dad. We and are most people in my life. Political liberals. <laughs> are you uh, on the conservative side or the liberal side? Would you say? Well, I'm an Oklahoman. I don't really get into the politics. But ah, see, like it. That's a good answer. That's a good I like answer. That. All right. So you. So did you say you've been married? Do you have kids? Yes, I have three daughters. Three daughters. How old are they? Five, seven, and eleven. Your hands are full, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. And, and, but that doesn't. It's not a disqualifier. No, for not, at somebody all. Has no had, not at all. Somebody has children. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fine. Okay. No. That's good. Uh, no, they're well taken care of. Good. Nice. Good. 
Well, what do you think? I think he's a finalist. I, I think look, he's a, he, he might even be the leading I'll tell you finalist. why he's a finalist. He didn't hang up on us. No, that's <laughs> <a> <laughs> You're the first guy not to hang up on us. So God bless you. Thank There's you, been DJ. intense competition. Oh, the competition has this. been unbelievable. <laughs> it has been. This has blown up. It's, this is almost out of control. It is. It, it is. We need extra remarkable. security. Just to, PJ, remarkable. would you come to Cincinnati uh, and if you are the winner? I sure will. Okay. Okay. As wow. long as I can bring Megan back to Oklahoma. Oh. Well, oh. 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 See the Game audience like that. Match <laughs> moving. Yeah, I like, it. I like it. Hey PJ, thank you very much. Yeah, you're we a good will guy. Be in touch. Thank Please you, PJ. keep listening. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I all right, okay. see you, PJ. Thanks That's so PJ, yeah. Oklahoma City. These guys are really good sports to put up with you guys. You know that, right? Like they are really good sports. I think we should bring him through and make him the winner, but maybe that's a little premature. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's see see how the weekend goes in Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this, I'm I'm learning more and more about Eugene. So you you proposed to Bonnie after an hour. You've talked to him for ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of impulsive. We're gonna. I I think (laughs) propose to Bonnie is the wrong way to put it. I begged her. Yeah. To marry me unsuccessfully. Hey, we're going to bring in uh, James Weston, Weston, by the way. Let's hear it for James Weston. Hello. Good evening. And James is a singer-songwriter with a great story, and uh, we're going to ask him first to do a song, and I think he's going to do Cincinnati Rose, which is his first song, which is a tribute, by the way, Jerry, to a guy we call in Cincinnati, Charlie Hustle. Oh, right, uh, right. guy from Price Hill in sure. Cincinnati, Pete, Pete Rose, Rose. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who is the all-time Hits record leader. holder of uh, mm-hmm. base hits. Yes. Uh, do I have that right, James? Are you going to yeah, do that's about uh, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Pete Rose? That's about All right. right. I was sitting in Nashville uh, outside the train, and I was uh, reading about how the Major League Baseball denied uh, – denied Pete from uh, being in the Hall of Fame again, and I don't know. I wrote this song in about five minutes. I love when that happens, but uh, – uh, it's called Cincinnati Rose. It goes like this. All right, James Wesson. Roses are red, but Pete's got the blues. How would you feel with you in his shoes? No man hit more so swiftly the first. It lasts. In the hall, it's the most famous curse. The people I know say he let the rose bloom. Grant the man in trance, your diamond shaped room. Encased in its stone, with the Louisville slugger. Forever head back, there won't be another. Sweet baseball, race to first, slide to second.
exist for us all to follow. The legend burns brighter. That's why it's tough to swallow. How you exile this man for the same crimes you do. You are worse than the cockroaches under my shoe. The people I know say. Casey Campbell you know, singing harmony. That is I gotta, great I gotta stuff. Google, I got a Google uh, alert that said that song is number 17 in Norway in the adult contemporary folk charts. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we gotta go to Norway. It's yeah. about baseball, too. It's yeah, just like, that yeah. is great. great. And by the way, James <laughs> just came back from a, a tour in the United Kingdom, so he's you know he's uh, familiar with the whole scene in uh, Europe. Has Pete heard that song? You know, I don't know. It's oh, easier for him to hear. Really cool. You got to get it to him. Well, you know, if you he sings at the baseball we, we got park all the time. I'm like, hey man. Well, we got a way to do it. <laughs> if you get us uh, just a CD Phenomenal. cut of that, oh yeah, we that we sure. can get that to him. You can yeah. get that yeah. to him. Uh, he really that song's coming at you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> He will get it's that. on it's iTunes great. and Spotify as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but I think if if Jerry Springer gives that to him, that would be pretty cool. I think he probably could get through a door I couldn't. And by the way, yeah, right. <laughs> you can hear James' music at jameswestonmusic.com uh, or Google it. It's available on iTunes, Spotify. He's doing a lot of live shows. He's got a U.S. tour that's going to start in September, run through November. But a really cool thing, James, is that we just learned that you are moving into Ludlow, Kentucky. Yeah, you are. Now that yeah. is cool. Wow. Because here's what's right? significant about that. Ludlow, Kentucky is becoming a place where a lot of people are moving in of all types. I mean, I live in Ludlow, Kentucky, for example. So old people. Yeah. (laughs) And Casey Campbell uh, has moved in. And uh, Ben Knight, who is uh, a roots music singer. Uh, You're coming in. But this is becoming almost like a Nashville North, a, a sort I wouldn't of a even, you, listen, creative I'm, I'm class not sliding place. Nashville. I lived there four years, and, and yeah. you know, I love Nashville. It's great. But I need a new adventure. And the thing about Ludlow, or, or in Cincinnati greater area, right. as opposed to Nashville, it's, uh, um, you know, you got, you got a, like a real community that's not here for false pretenses. You got it. You know? Yeah. So. That, that's, that's that a is a, a great point, and it's a very welcoming place. And, uh, and I met, left out Maria Corelli, who has uh, 
she's a barista here at Folk School Coffee Parlor. She's been on the podcast, Young Folk Singer. And uh, really cool about her, she lives on a boat, which is like pretty close to Ludlow, just outside on the Ohio River. So there's all <laughs> these people in this you creative have to pay place rent. moving in. We yeah, she probably pay, plays a slip a fee. Property tax. Oh, yeah. Slip yeah. fee. Yeah, slip fee. It's yeah. like 600 bucks for oh. six months. Huh. All right. Whoa. So <laughs> We're all we're, moving to boats. <laughs> hey, get your boats and come on down. <laughs> we're rounding move. third and going home. Going home now. <laughs> and Swimming course, home, more like it. Yeah. We're moving all these people in to get more votes for Matt Catfish Williams, yeah. by the That's way. Right. Uh, <laughs> running for city council in Ludlow, Kentucky. All right, James, we're going to ask you to do another song. I think this one's called Unlucky Blues. Uh, Unlucky would you Blues. do that? I, I just recorded this uh, New Year's Day with a bunch of Nashville musicians. And this is my newest album. You can find it on iTunes. I wrote this in L.A. It was Unlucky Blues. Like... I've been hanging out In the back of your mind, baby
steal back my soul Phenomenal. Unlucky Blues, James I, Weston. Uh, just two quick questions. One, what was your voice like in junior high school? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you were a kid or just, you know, getting into your teenage, because this, this voice is unique. You know, it's, it wasn't like this, man. It was a lot like a... Well, it's funny. So, you know, when it's did it? Like, it's like yeah. like uh, Will Smith or something, you know, yeah. like P Fresh Prince of Bel Air or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, like yeah. Like yeah. Just like Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. And the next question is: You said you wrote this on New Year's Day. How depressing was your New Year's Eve? Right. <laughs> that the next morning you get up and you write, "I've lost my soul." What did you, you do outside, that night? You walk outside of your apartment complex in downtown Los Angeles on Fourth and Alameda. And you accidentally step in some human feces on oh, probably okay. a pretty bad day. Yeah. You know, it's going to start yeah. off probably wrong, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No espresso can ever help that. You know? That's good. I was hey. You are really. You, hey, introduce yeah, your guitar a player real fast, too, would you? Who's a guitar yeah, this player? Mr. Alan Talbot. Me, me and this. Here's, here's the reason. Yeah, Thank you. Sir. Yeah. You know, the reason why I'm actually here and moving back to Ludlow, I blame these two uh, jokers. Uh, yeah. We used to live in a house together and play uh, off the Newport on a levee. We used to oh, play yeah. a band together. Okay, yeah, Newport, Kentucky. And I yeah. moved away about, what, how many years? Yeah, about 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Well, welcome back. Hey, hey take us out on uh, Goodnight Irene, would you? And Jerry Springer will jump in with you. Oh, yeah, I know oh, the words really? to you know this. The words Sing this week? with me, man. I'm not even writing them down, I'm so confident. Wowee. Because <laughs> well, I have to write them down for him. Join in if I can. Saturday, I got married. Me and my wife settled down. Now me and my baby apart. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Cook School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com.